Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is our very own Chris Faridney. Chris is Chief Development Officer at Chef's Best, a sensory testing organization that builds your product image through a rigorous test validation process, seal of approval, and supporting content to advance marketing programs beyond the shelves to where customers engage. Over his time with Chef's Best, revenue has nearly doubled in short time working with national and private brands. He is also VP of Sales and Marketing for Reveal Sensory, a sister organization of Chef's Best that performs sensory evaluations and descriptive analysis for brands, private labels, and manufacturers and suppliers, their R&D and marketing teams with valuable data and insights to make deformed decisions. He also holds an MBA from UC San Marcos. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So the reason why we have Chris on here today is not necessarily to talk about Chef's Best, but Chris just attended an important industry conference. Uh, and it was the Velocity Conference, May 16 to May 18, 2022 in Charlotte Convention Center. Chris spent the entire time there and is going to share with us a little bit of the insights and learnings that he received from hanging out with the leaders in the private brand industry. Uh, so, Chris, overall, how was the event? Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was a, an excellent event. Um, Christopher Durham, the, the president of uh, the Velocity Institute, did a, a fantastic job curating a, a, a list of uh, top players in the, the private brand industry. Uh, and it was just a really great melding of the minds of players in the in the in the private brand world, and you know, hundreds of. Uh, people that it, that it attended and um, dozens of speakers at the at the conference and it was just a, a really great way to network and 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 see innovation firsthand that's uh, going on in the private brand world. And if I understand correctly, this may have been the first, uh, at least industry wide, post COVID event. So I imagine there was a little bit of a, a festive atmosphere to it. But as best you can for our listeners. Uh, just try to paint a picture for us. Walk us through what the event was like. Uh, let's assume I've never been there, uh, which I believe to be true. And if I walk in there, what do I see? What's, what's going on? What was some of the, the format and structure of the, of the event? Yeah, um, the, the, the format of the, the conference um, was mainly based around speakers uh, from the, the, the private brand industry, um, top players in the um, areas of you know, brand management and private brand development. Um, throughout the day, there were also networking events um, where people could get together and you know mingle, and which was also very refreshing after being on Zoom for you know the past two years uh, and not being able to attend events uh, in, in in person. Uh, so it was really nice to. Get together on you know one and one on one level with um, you know colleagues that we might have already known or or, or people that have um, interacted with, with with chefs best previously uh, and also you know see a, a ton of new faces uh, as well. Um, but in addition to the um, uh, individual speakers, there were some roundtable discussions, uh, fireside fireside chat style, um, and there was also a uh, Expo Center as well. So rows of, of booths um, of companies that provide services uh, to, to private brands. 
uh, whether for marketing, um, design agencies, marketing agencies, uh, packaging companies, uh, software solution providers. Um, so just a, a really good mix of, uh, of events and, and people um, to, to push the, uh, the private brand industry forward and open up conversations within that world. Yeah, and it, it certainly does seem that it is pushing forward. We've discussed private brands a lot on here uh, over the past several years and had several different representatives from that industry, product managers uh, and the like. And it certainly seems like if there has ever been a, a heyday for private brand, it's right now. Um, maybe there are two seminal yeah. moments. One is I think we all might recall the first seminal moment. I'm going to guess somewhat maybe date myself here a little bit too, maybe 12 to 10 years ago, I felt like is when, you know, the shelves really started to have a higher percentage of private brands. It went from you know, zero growing up, to be honest, to, you know, maybe one, 2%. You could, you could find a thing here or there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it, it, it was like 10%. Mm-hmm. And uh, my anecdotal estimate on that now as a, as a consumer myself is you could say 15, 20% of the shelves right now are represented by private brands. And they're not just one brand. Oftentimes there, there are several different brands There's premium. There's, you know, so-called lower end or budget items as well that are available there and, and mm-hmm. quality increasing along the way and sophistication. And, and we'll get, we'll dive into to what many of that actually means. But now you also have, of course, stores, you know, that are almost entirely, if not entirely, private brand. You know, Aldi, Trader Joe's come to mind yep. with those. Uh, and now you also have, you know, more specialty retailers having their own private brands. Sprouts, Jimbo's perhaps come to mind in different regional ones as well. So. It, it really seems like we're probably at the heyday, and I um, would imagine that that was reflected in the energy and the positivity uh, at at Velocity. I can't speak to what it might have been several years ago, but I would imagine that there was a lot of positive ed- energy and momentum there. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely summarize uh, you know the event as a whole as a, a, a lot of positivity and a lot of. Uh, um, looking forward to, to, to growth and, uh, and, and, and innovation, uh, in the, uh, in, in the private brand industry. I think we're, we're going to see the shelves be further populated by, by private brand products. And I, I think consumers are going to you know, recognize the, the quality of these, these, these products, uh, in, in, in many different ways. So you identified uh, five themes that while you were there, and we'll, we'll walk through each one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, of course, I'm sure many more than five themes, but uh, you're about I have five takeaways that we thought that listeners might be quite interested in. Uh, the first one being be bold, be fearless, and it's okay to fail. Um, talk a little bit about how that theme carried its way throughout the conference uh, and perhaps why na- today was that type of theme. Again, we have, wasn't at the event five, six years ago, but it, it may have had a different 
they may not have been as bold, but as you said, the wind is a bit at the sails and there's a lot of pushing forward. Uh, so talk us through that theme uh, and why you identified it as uh, a constant that was being discussed there. Yeah. Um, as to why this theme is probably coming up is, you know, with the, the way the economy is now um, and consumers having to maybe tighten their, their belt buckles a little um, as, as prices go up and try to be uh, a little bit more frugal with their, their, their spends. I think this is a, a huge opportunity for, for private brands being, you know, priced at a, a you know, slightly lower or lower than um, their national brand uh, uh, competitors. So this is an opportunity for them to really break through uh, not only from a, a, a packaging perspective or a package design perspective, but also from a product development perspective, uh, branding, uh, marketing, and, and just a, a, an overall strategy for the, 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 the private brands. Um, you know, based on what I heard uh, from the speakers at the conference is that many of them are, are essentially you know, blowing up what they previously had in place. Uh, for their for their private brands and you know entering new products um, with new branding, new packaging in, in, into the marketplace. And part of the the conference, uh, there was also an event called the Vertex Awards. And this is a uh, competition for private brands around the world to enter their packaging in uh, to be assessed by various professionals in the industry and ones that, um, score high enough, receive a, a Vertex award. And we saw some truly innovative packaging, um, especially from a private brand. I mean, these are things that you would never think like, oh, that's a, that's a, you know, a, an Aldi brand or a, an, an Albertsons brand. Um, you know, it looks like, you know, a, a, a trendy national brand. Um, so truly bold and, 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 you know, different, um, takes on, on packaging and, and branding. Um, you know, previously, you, you know, you had mentioned five, six years ago, I, I think there was more resistance to, to making those, those changes. Um, but as I, as I saw at the conference, the, the wheels of innovation are, are, are definitely turning. Um, so we'll, I think we'll continue to see, um, you know, changes in, in, in packaging and more, more innovation in, in product development. I mean, we already see it now with certain private brands, you know, look at, look at targets, uh, uh, private brand line or, uh, owner of ShopRite, Rake Ferns, their, their brand like Bowling Basket, which is just truly beautiful packaging. Um, product quality is high. Um, you know, definitely something consumers can be proud of, uh, of, of purchasing. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a good, summary and of the the theme around you know being bold and you know what it encompasses to to be fearless in the in this market at this time yeah i mean if you look at the foundation that private label was built on it was i would say a, a rather conservative overall model right mm -hmm. it was incredibly bland packaging I, and i encourage anyone that uh, maybe wasn't is younger and wasn't food shopping 10, 15 years ago. You, you'd almost laugh at how bland it was. And, and I think that was probably by intent design. 
in addition to budget. I mean, they, they, they weren't given marketing budgets. Uh, right. so the model was just get it out there. And the bland packaging was acceptable because the message was clear, which is, hey, this thing is cheaper. And mm-hmm. the products that were private brand back then as well were really just your staples, a can of corn, a pot, you know, just a plain pasta, uh, just, just kind of send me your just pantry items and, and kind of top sellers. Uh, now I'm starting to see, you know, of course, organic mm-hmm. and it's becoming more and more difficult to distinguish between what is private brand and what isn't as you said some are have a far more elegant packaging so that just make it and market it cheap say don't or don't spend marketing money but just make it and and frankly make it look cheap is gone uh and that it sounds to me like those days of limited marketing spend are, are well behind and that the competition between national and private will only get more fierce uh, moving Absolutely. forward as, uh, I, I think, I think private brand always got a little bit of a, too much of a negative rub on quality, but, uh, I think it's also fair to say that the, any difference in quality is either not there. <laughs> um, we right. know that at chef's best, uh, I believe that some testing has been done on that, uh, that is statistically verified that statement. Um, or is of even at times higher quality. So uh, it would make sense why that shift in taking perhaps the best marketing practices that national brands and many other consumer products have taken over the years and start applying that uh, to private brands makes sense. And along with that would come budget as well as they, they keep uh, chipping away at their own, at their own shelf space. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I think it was also interesting to see how private brands are are getting away from, you know, as as you put it, a very you know basic pasta or a very basic pasta sauce, um, or a you know a very lackluster product line. And what I learned is that some brands are, you know, interesting in getting ideas from basically anyone on their on their team. Um, they're creating these these safe places um, for their, their employees to come and, you know, pitch a product idea or, um, you know, a, a packaging idea. And, you know, some, some brands even noted creating like shark take type competitions um, to really foster this environment of, you know, innovation and anyone that has an idea can, can come to the table um, and I think that's just going to create a you know, endless stream of you know product development ideas uh, for these for these brands. And you know, I think it's fair to say too, as we transition to theme two, that that type of environment will attract greater talent as well. Absolutely. So, you know, you, yeah. you won't. Perhaps there's a, a an amazing creative director out there or agency, and they won't get an eye roll. Uh, from them if they start to bring them on board but it'll actually be a a landing spot for people that do want to be a little bit more innovative and creativity and speaking of um, ways to attract talent uh, and particularly of the younger set would be environmental social and governance Mm -hmm. which is uh, 
bringing us into theme two, which is a domain I would say was primarily spearheaded by new, you know, fresh startup brands, challenger brands mm-hmm. ones that looking to enter the market. Of course, that has completely changed where some of the biggest brands in the world uh, now at least profess a care for environmental social governance as well. And it seems as you identify this as theme number two, that private brand now is taking these matters very seriously as well. So walk us through what you heard there. Private brands are, are, are definitely focusing on this, this area. And, you know, some were, were talking at the event to the impact that brands have already had or, um, you know, plans that they, uh, um, are considering implementing, you know, in, in the future. And, you know, this is, this is driving a lot of marketing messaging, um, for, for private brand as, as well. Um, probably specifically because of how much importance, um, the, the modern, you know, younger consumer millennials, Gen Z, et cetera, are, are, are placing on these values. They want to know what impact that company is having on the environment. Um, how does purchasing this product um, benefit the community they're, they're in or the community where that product is produced? Um, these are these are strong messaging points, and I think private brands will really benefit from um, implementing this into their their overall strategy. Um, the claims like natural, non-GMO, organic. Um, high protein, low carb, no sugar, et cetera. Those will still, of course, always, you know, be there. Um, but they're going to, going to be playing, you know, second fiddle to these, these more ESG, uh, focused, uh, um, call outs. Um, so yeah, an interesting, interesting shift. Um, and, you know, you can see that brands are, are focusing on this, not just from including this messaging on, on products, but also if you go to their websites, um, you can see they have pages dedicated to how they're, uh, again, serving either the, the communities that um, they have stores in or the communities around um, the products that are that are being produced. So uh, very, very interesting, this shift. I think we're perhaps identifying a mega theme here, which is that the blurring of the lines between private brand and national brands is, is certainly, I'd say, prevalent and mm-hmm. only going to get blurrier. Yeah, I, I, I would totally agree with that, that statement. Um, I think uh, it's going to be you know, pretty, pretty difficult to, to tell what's a, uh, what's a store brand, especially with that. A lot of, a lot of them removing that, that hero brand from the, the package and creating these, these product lines that are specifically developed for, um, you know, their, their consumers needs. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and they're, they're thinking like, you know, a marketer should, which is different tiers of audiences as well so that they can address exactly. people perhaps with more disposable income while, not, while also addressing people that, uh, you know, are looking for a lower price product on the shelf. Uh, further blurring the lines here of our mega theme we've identified uh, is your third theme, which is branding as a strategy for growth. Again, I can't. I can't possibly <laughs> better encourage people to take a look back at at the lack of branding that existed in this 
private brand industry and food and beverage when it was was founded, but I don't think anyone thought that we'd be where we are today. Uh, I, I think it was just, if I had to guess, it was just this copycat where it was what sells a lot. And you'd say, well, Pinto beans. Okay, let's make some Pinto beans. <laughs> and they would, in the uh-huh. packaging would just say Pinto beans. And uh, I, I think they'd maybe put a little red stripe on it and some blue letters and they'd call it branding. Um, but this seemed to be in our preview conversation on this, something that was just a constant being discussed there, um, of truly developing your brand. So talk about it a little bit. And then, you know, we have to ask here because we care so much about taste at, at chef's best, uh, what you heard related to private brands building their brand and whether or not they were going to do that through lifestyle or, you know, a gala, elegant, more emotionally appealing uh, packaging and, and I would imagine accompanying advertising as well. Um, but whether or not taste was also something that, you know, in food and beverage in particular should be part of a brand's identity in the same way that, you know, quality is often a part of apparel or something like that. Um, so talk about branding and what you heard from folks there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This, this was definitely a, a, a common thread uh, among the, the private brands that were there, as well as the agencies that are supporting um, some of these private brands on their, 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 their this kind of journey of change that they're, they're going through. Um, so before, you know, the, the way of copycatting a, you know, a national brand equivalent, um, you know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, brands are, are innovating and, and, and doing away with this. Um, they simply just need to do more than that to, to keep growth and keep consumers in, engaged. Um, but to do that, you know, brands need to understand what their consumers are, are interested in and, and, and what's going to um, basically, uh, um, allure them to their, to their brands. And and we'll talk about that more in the, in another, another theme. Um, but brands are, are taking steps like normal, normal national and regional companies are, are, are taking, um, you know, they're conducting that market research, they're conducting those focus groups and prototype testing, um, which speaks to a focus on, on taste and, and, and quality as well. Um, that's absolutely uh, of importance um, to this to this strategy. Uh, so if the product you know doesn't taste good, doesn't matter how how good that packaging is or uh, the the marketing is um, to get that repeat sale, that product has to has to taste good. Um, there's there's norm uh, or there's multiple studies done. Uh, that taste is uh, among one of the uh, most important factors when uh, consumers making that that purchase decision. Um, so that's something of, of, of high importance. Um, but also when developing these brands, um, companies that were at the, the conference were talking about how they set up uh, brand guidelines and, and themes for the, for the brands that allow flexibility in, in, in changing um, the product packaging, for example. And they do this so the brand... Um, can, can flex certain colors or, or uh, fonts within, a, within certain boundaries to the point where it's not diluting, a, a, you know, core branding elements, 
but they do this to, to complement certain certain elements of the the food or beverage that that packaging is 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 containing. Um, so yeah, I think we'll, we'll continue to 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 see this um, and you know continue to see private brands go down this route of um, you know for the for the national and, and regional brands a, a, a pretty regular process of you know, conducting the studies, conducting the research, spending the time and money on product development and, uh, you know, putting out some, some, some truly innovative products to continue, you know, branding for, for, for growth. Um, so very interesting. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see how far they take this. And I, I'm glad that you rebrought copycat up because that was kind of the interim that again, Scott's history here of private brands, <laughs> the book I've never written, uh, you know, it started super, super generic. And then you're right, the copycat. If you wanted to make potato chips, I really felt like private brands looked at, okay, what does the Lay's potato chips packaging look like? And let's copy that as much as we can with the yellows and the reds without presumably probably trying to get sued. Um, yeah, it, it, it seems like, and I'm just guessing here, that in the future, they'll have their own potato chips and they'll brand them in the way that they want to brand them and try to make connection with the consumer and, um, you know, create brand affinity and loyalty around their own. Uh, but it'd also be interesting to see whether or not that's going to apply to everything. Uh, and not that it's either of our expertise here, but I think also about brands that, copycat but perhaps for good reason i think of tylenol as an example you know you go to a retailer and everyone on the planet knows what a tylenol packaging looks like right and you also know what the ibuprofen one looks like right it's the red and the blue mm -hmm. um so i i wonder whether or not a private brand that makes acetaminophen which is the main ingredient in tylenol will continue to say, hey, look, this is just like Tylenol. It's the same thing. Um, their quote, not mine. And or, or whether or not we'll actually walk into a store and there won't be any copycatting at all in the future. So perhaps food and beverage will be the litmus test for whether or not that's going to extend to, uh, you know, just some of the consumables that are out there, some of the mm -hmm. health related products that are out there. Um, you know, pretty much anything you put on or in your body, I think at this point has a bit of a copycat to it. So it'll be interesting in a few years to see how far that third theme you identified branding as a strategy for growth uh, actually extends. Uh, bringing us into theme four, uh, you had mentioned customer focused uh, intent. Um, they, they obviously private brands have been profit focused, you know, uh, I mean, it, wider, juicier margins is frankly why private brand get into it. Right. Um, why well, get 15% when you can get 30% type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yet you, it seems that maybe you've identified that while well, that may continue. And I think that's obviously going to remain a, a fiscal goal uh, that, relying solely on that metric to drive all decisions uh, is something that is 
you know, they're not just going to just hope people show up, see product X for less money, hope they buy it, bingo, bango, wider margin. Someone gets a raise at the end of the year for doing a great job uh, that they're going to, you know, externally market themselves using many of the channels and tactics that national brands have had success with. So walk us through what you heard. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely a, a, a bigger focus on the on the customer um, coming from from private brands. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, profitability is you know these are businesses that it has to be there, but that margin may start to be compressed as some of these additional steps in the product development life cycle are added. Um, you know, around doing that those those consumer research efforts and. Uh, uh, focus groups and other product development, uh, you know, processes. I mean, it just has to, you know, it, it's uh, uh, that's, that's time. Those are not inexpensive uh, studies to, to, to run, but the benefit here is that this will help the, the private brand, you know, attract consumers with, um, you know, trendy products, you know, not just the, the, the staples, um, so that'll, that investment will, will, will come back, um, you know, to, to them in that, in that way. Um, also, you know, I, I, I found it interesting that even though private brands have evolved quite a bit compared to, you know, 10, 12 years ago, consumers are still feeling, um, maybe not maybe shamed is, is too strong of a word, um, but maybe slightly embarrassed um, to have a, a private brand product on their their shelves, um, just because the, that notion there that um, you know the product is less expensive, maybe of less quality, even though that's you know we know that's not the case, and we have seen that from you know studies internally here. Um, but there's definitely that 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 perception, um, and private brands would would benefit from. Um, working to, to minimize that. So consumers need to feel like they're not only you know, getting a good value because that price is lower, but they also have to feel good about purchasing that product and, and um, you know, feel pride in you know, having it on their, their, their counter at a, at a party when people come over or you know, putting dinner on, table, on the table for their, their kids. Um, and so there's, there's you know, ample opportunities there to, 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 to improve. Um, and the, the, the only way of doing that is, is, you know, focusing on the, on the customer and listening to them and listening to their needs and, uh, and, and working it, you know, in, in, in accordance with that. Um, so. It's a, it's a, it's a key barometer, right? Because, well, let, let's, let's open up my family here to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't think my, my wife listens to, to my, my, my podcast here, but, uh, so I think I'm safe, but I I can say, and I've always been the primary food shopper in, in the family. Um, perhaps it's how I get away from the kids, but story for another day. Um, (laughs) and I can say, you know, I'm a look typical suburbanite, you know, in, in many, many ways. And I can say years ago when I would bring home a private brand and, we're unpacking everything and 
you know, it's the ultimate judgment, right? Did, did the husband get the things he was supposed to get and what kind of, did he make the right decisions? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, there's often sometimes an eye roll when I got a private brand. I'd be like, honey, it was $4 cheaper and I actually like this one better. And, you know, it, it, we're all influenced, right? We're all influenced by, by branding. And I think perhaps one of the, the great barometer tests would be, you know, if you are invited to a dinner party at someone else's house, right? What, what, what's the first thought that goes through your head? What are we going to bring? And then you want to, quote, show up well, right? Mm-hmm. Show up well. If, if you're bringing a bottle of wine, it's not when you're going to bring the $6 bottle of wine. Even though it might be the best wine on the planet, it might be your favorite wine. Uh, it's just, look, we're, we're judgmental creatures. Uh, you know, per, that, that might be the ultimate barometer I'd say we're close now, and and that's again not a comment on quality; it's a comment comment on societal perception. And a a good barometer for the industry would be in five years if you show up at someone's house and you bring, I don't know what the heck it is, popcorn. I'm being random here, mm-hmm. and it's a private brand. Will people go? Oh yes. Like, will they have a positive feeling about that? And it sounds like the industry is aware of that, that gap that they have to close. Um, and we'll get into a moment to talk about what we do know about quality of private brands based on our own testing. But, you know, it, it said that $6 bottle of wine might be fantastic. I, I've talked to many, many, many wine folks that say, look, price of course, if you get up to two, three hundred dollar bottle of wine, you get a little different story. But that have told me, look, the difference between maybe a seven, eight dollar bottle of wine and a twenty and a thirty is often not something that ninety nine percent of the public could tell, and so therefore you should buy based on what you like, because you're unlikely to make that leap up to the 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 category that you're. You know, you taste. I think we've all, at some point, had that sip of some wine that perhaps someone else bought, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's the life right there." Um, but perception is what matters, right, in the society. Perception is reality. Like, yeah. You know, while perhaps a large ship to turn around, the private label ship. I mean, you're talking about a, a you know, uh, just take a Safeway, just to use a, a word. I don't know. They've probably got two, three, four. You could convince me it's more. Five thousand uh, products under their their purview. You're not going to turn that ship around overnight. No. You know, if you have a startup, you know, you obsess over what type of lifestyle you're trying to appeal to. And it's your baby, and you get three packages that you need to create. But it's going to take a little while to turn turn the big battleship around. Uh, but it certainly sounds like. The intent is there, and it's something that we should be uh, looking forward to and excited as an industry um, over the next couple of years. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. <clears throat> transitioning to the future, uh, this was your fifth theme. Uh, there were some kind of predictions for the future of private brand that that you identified while you were there. So. Uh, I would say, why don't you share the predictions that you heard and, uh, you know, let's go ahead and get into the prediction business here and, yeah. and uh, put our own heads together and share some thoughts about 
not only whether or not it will happen, but maybe what the steps are that are necessary to get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so the, 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 the first, um, I guess, theme within this theme is that branding and, and, and packaging is going to continue to evolve. Um, the days of the hero brand being slapped on a box is, uh, is, are going to be you know, phased out. Um, and likely not see that from from many uh, you know private brands in the in the industry, and then also that you know kind of within that we'll start to see sub brands um, strategically be developed for 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 certain categories. In addition to that, I, I, I um, you know heard and and, and um, hopefully we'll continue to see this as we go to other events in the future and hear about these innovation summits that are occurring. Um, you know, within the walls of several of these private brands. And um, I think uh, now that a few have presented this idea that others uh, will, will, will soon to soon follow and we'll, we'll start to see other, other private brands uh, encourage anyone in the company to, to, to come to the table with a, with an idea. Uh, also um, saw a lot of brands speaking to that ESG focus and it becoming more, uh, more prevalent can um, kind of along those lines um, uh, brands are talking about uh, cell, cell-based and plant-based and other alternative food sources um, becoming more, more popular. And we'll start to see those uh, enter, enter product lines as well. Um, especially as, you know, populations increase and demand for food increases, not to mention prices increasing on, um, a lot of you know core uh, staple items for for households or, uh, around the world. Um, so new new food service uh, sources um, will also be a, a part of a future brand uh, private brands. And then uh, one thing I did uh, find interesting was that several uh, had called for uh, more communication and collaboration within within the industry. Um, you know, these are big companies, big you know, multi-billion dollar, uh, companies. So it, it, I, I found that, uh, intriguing that, you know, getting people together and kind of swapping war stories here, um, about how to improve brands is, uh, you know, going to be a focus in the, for the future. And, um, you know, I think, I think that'll benefit everyone though. Um, you know, there's, there's infinite ways to, improve a, a, a business and we can you know learn from each other on on that so yeah those are those are you know the the themes within uh, this theme of the the future uh for for private brands and i, I think uh i think we'll see a lot of these uh, come to fruition in the years to come so i'm going to put my scorecard out there so we can check back so i'm going to say over the next three years here's what i think Branding and packaging will continue to evolve. I'm going to award that a 10. So t- t- 10 chef's best medallions for that one. I'm awarding <laughs> uh, based on likelihood to happen in the next three years. Innovation submits, I think that'll be a 10 as well. I think that you're seeing it. Uh, there's a lot of other conferences that, that Chris Durham, a huge advocate for retail brands, is putting together around that. ESG becoming more of a focus. I think that's a 10 out of 10. That's just standard operating procedure right now for any, any, not any, but most brands out there need to, to be addressing that. 
cell-based, plant-based, and other. I'm going to go eight out of ten chefs' best medallions on that one. I, I think that that over the next three years, I, I think they get a little while to go on that one, but it's certainly out there in the future. Not to say it won't happen, but uh, it's pretty pretty new industry, and I just suspect they'll let that um, just kind of find its way for a little bit before these these larger brands fully commit. Uh, and then collaboration and communication, I'm going to give that an eight. Eight Chefs Best Medallions awarded there. I do think it will happen, uh, but the depth at which it will happen will remain to be seen. So right, right. those are my predictions based on absolutely nothing you should take <laughs> to the bank. <laughs> um so as we wrap up here, I uh, want to talk just a little bit about Chef's Best because I don't think we're going to name any brands here, but Chef's Best has been uh, working with many private brands uh, over the years and has seen a lot uh, and a lot of success there. Uh, I do recall someone mentioning years ago, so that means that we're back in that era when it, when when the packaging was not interesting. So I'm just trying to kind of put a little bit of a timestamp on it there. And I recall uh, a private brand, peanut butter was tested against national brands and not sure if the score quality score exceeded, but the point being that this private brand of a major retailer uh, at least held its own, or I think might've even slightly outscored some others. And right. that was a bit of a, I think eye-opening moment and other tests have been done. So again, I, I'm not sure if it's appropriate if you to share names, that's your, your decision here, but uh, we've been working with some private brands, but just overall, what have you found? What are the types of programs that have been put together? And then, well, the million dollar question, how have private brands stacked up over, I'm not sure, is it dozens, hundreds perhaps of, of these objectified ob- objective tasting sessions done by master tasters that has been that have been conducted. Uh, what have you learned? What have you found? What types of feedback have you received from working with uh, some of the private brands? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, happy to to share uh, how we support private brands and um, yeah. What one of the the brands that we work with? I mean, they have our award on on batching, so I can of course you know, share that. The name of the company is is Aldi. Um, we started working with them a, a couple of years ago, evaluating um, dozens of their their, their products. And um, from a, a taste and, and quality perspective, and the the standards of our of our panel of, uh, of chefs, you know, there a lot of those many of those products um, uh, qualified for the Chef's Best Excellence Award. Um, they, they're surpassing the the standards uh, for their for their category, and um, you know qualifying to license and, and leverage the the medallion. Um, and this is this is uh, you know obviously a form of of marketing and promoting uh, you know one's brand. So it definitely falls within these themes that we discussed around how brands are investing in their in their products, um, and they're they're working to show consumers that. These are these are high quality, you know, great tasting items. Um, so, definitely, uh, uh, an award you know program can help can help show 
consumers this. Um, and we, we do this in a, a couple of different ways. Uh, one is obviously through our, our Chef's Best uh, Excellence Award that can be used on, on packaging and in other forms of marketing. And then also content development. Um, we produce content uh, around our licensees, uh, excellence awards that they can use in their, their digital marketing campaigns to engage with consumers and, and show them the distinction that these, these products have earned. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, of course, if anyone wants to learn more about Chef's Best, uh, you can visit chefsbest.com. I'd also encourage anyone to, to reach out to Chris Durham. Uh, you know, with the Velocity Institute. And uh, so Chris has been a guest on this podcast. We've always been grateful and had good chats with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has lived and breathed the industry for years and has always struck me as someone that probably pick up the phone and talk talk private brand anytime and uh, look to make connections for you, get people involved in events or, or just any other way. He knows, he knows the ins and outs and who to connect to and uh, is a great resource for anyone that wants to learn more or get more involved. Um, well, Chris, thank you so much for joining. I think maybe the final question here would be based on your experience, would you be attending the event next year? Is it, it seemed, it seemed quite worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this event was, was excellent. Uh, not only from a, a chef's best perspective, but also I think from a, from a private brand um, executive and employees perspective. So I highly encourage um, anyone in this uh, in this industry to um, attend the you know, Velocity Institute events. There's also membership packages that uh, I think will also benefit um, um, those workers as well and those employees as well. Um, so Chef's Best is definitely uh, uh, intending on uh, uh, future future events at the Velocity Institute. <clears throat> Awesome. I'm just doing a real quick check here. I'm not sure if they've announced the dates, but I suspect it's uh, around the same time next year. Have even more attendees and more excitement and energy there for this uh, really what's been a fascinating observation of how this behemoth of an industry has evolved. So uh, next year could be even more exciting. So thank you very much, Chris. Thanks for joining. Uh, My pleasure. It was like I was there, uh, <laughs> got to learn a lot, and hopefully that this was very useful for folks, and it painted a, a wonderful picture of the current state and the future state for private brand and where it's heading, and uh, what you, perhaps as a private brand manager, uh, need to be thinking about. So thanks again for Chris for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening to episodes.